0: This is Raphael. I am Lauren. We're the Pacheco siblings, and welcome to the Hypercube podcast, a talk show in which two siblings converse about anything and everything. I'm getting better at that. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! We haven't done this show long enough for that to be muscle memory. To feel natural. Right? It's not like the Resident Evil play intro. Right, yeah. Which I haven't done in such a long time now that I'm worried when Prometheus comes up I'm going to be rusty, I'm oh, gonna, no! I'm going to butcher it live
1: on Twitch. <laughs> oh, no. You're gonna, it's it's going to be
0: live, and it's like, hello, what comes next? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Prometheus, we haven't talked about that yet. So before we get into what you're going to talk course, about, let course. me plug. Because we don't plug enough. We don't plug. We, we, don't need, plug. we, need, we need a plug. We need a butt plug, the plug. Or let's go with that for now. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, there are butt plugs in everything everywhere all at once, which apparently we need to see. Very. You badly. know what?
1: Screw it! I want to watch this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, obviously, yeah, Michelle Yeoh and the Lee brothers. Oh, there's so much there that we need to we need to see. Uh, also, smart. apparently, Absolutely. it's the same guy who directed Swiss Army Man. So, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, very quirky. Um, it looks very quirky. So, what was I talking about? Resident role play. Yeah. So and Prometheus, butchering the int- the
1: uh, the opening.
0: Prometheus is coming up. For those who haven't seen, we put out a trailer for Prometheus on our channel. I'd recommend you go see it. Even if you don't watch Resident Roleplay, play, it's actually a pretty interesting little uh, teaser on its own. Cause oh, well, it, it? we call it a trailer, but it's basically like a little cinematic yeah. intro to Prometheus. And it's pretty exciting. It, a lot of production went into it. That was mostly you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel, uh, I
1: feel proud. the The response I've gotten to it, I thought I was just kind of like put it out there, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, good, that's done now. But it's like, oh, it's actually pretty good. I'm like, is it really? Like, it's yeah. a little. It's, it's pretty validating actually, because yeah. like well, obviously that's my character and yeah, my ex character. <laughs> my ex. It's, it's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's my ex, and that's my farewell to that character. Really, <laughs> it really is because like yeah. I'm never gonna play that character ever again, and I'm and like that is officially me hands off. That is from true. That, point forward. that
0: is probably no. Actually, it's not. Oh, Maybe one of the last <laughs> times that you ever voiced that character. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that is a bit of a farewell. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great trailer. I love the way it turned out. I had fun mixing it, and it was great to only do that <laughs> as well. Yeah. That's a lot of fun having less involvement and having less responsibility over Just doing the fun over part. It. Just doing uh, the fun bit of just like, yeah, creative mixing. Um, but you basically directed that trailer entirely, yeah. right? Yeah, that so was entirely
1: my idea. I came up with that idea for... A long time ago. Yeah, because like the original idea was just going to be a small little character vignette type of thing, mm-hmm. just I wanted to release just on my own about the character. And then it ended up, I never ended up doing it, and it, be, it was perfect for hyping up this character's new role in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and the monologue that you wrote
0: for it is surprisingly relevant, foreboding
1: teaser material for this upcoming yeah. story arc, I feel. so, And I feel a lot of that has to do with how well we've communicated what I want this character to be, and what you're going to do with this character. Yeah, and it seems like we have a fair amount, a surprising amount, I would say, of alignment on that.
0: Because well, we talked a lot, even while you were playing Emil, we talked yeah. a lot about our ideas about the character and his, and his philosophy, and how you sort of interpret the Resident Evil world. And yeah, we had we shared a lot of notes about that, even while the character was in play. And yeah, there was some there was some exciting. Stuff and an exciting exchange of ideas, and then when you lost control of the character, mm-hmm. that was when I gave up control. Yeah, of the character, gave really. up control of the the character. Um, like a, a lot of that that sort of discussion kind of came back yeah. to me, and you know, sort of fell on me now as the impetus. But like, he's definitely gone in a much different and darker direction than I was expecting. But it's been interesting to sort of write him as a villain and have the responsibility for that. And I only got to play him in his new self once and that was during the final story arc when we had to we basically had to call a favor yeah yeah that was a very interesting scene the uh, deal with the devil episode i think i I ended up titling it it. i love that episode it's very fascinating but you said you were particularly happy with how that turned out and how i played him there yeah. and so that felt very validating for me to hear from the creator of the character that i npc'd the character well
1: beautifully because you incorporated things into his dialogue which were things that i said this guy would say <laughs> it's like there was yeah. i think there were some very particular moments where you directly basically you lifted dialogue yeah I quoted, that we had that we yeah. had privately that was never used that i never used for this character in his dialogue when i was playing him but i was mm-hmm. like these are the kinds of things he thinks and you actually used some of those yeah. Those well, you gave bits. me one as
0: well. You gave me one pre-written line of text that I had on standby as well. And I think I did get to use it in that interaction. I don't remember which one that one was. Yeah, which one there was, was one. I don't remember. Okay. It was so long ago. Yeah. That was more than a year and a half ago, Lauren. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> no, yeah, there was a there was definitely a, the one that I remember very specifically that I was like, yes! This might've been the, the pre-written one. Uh, it may not have been. I think he was talking to Kevin. And it was like, this is my cross to bear. I think you said that specifically, and I was like, absolutely, yes, that is this character. I was uh, sitting in the back just going like, "Eh, eh, eh, yes, just, you go, Emil, you be evil. (laughs) Evil Emil. Evil Emil. Oh, yeah.
0: It's super exciting, though, to return to Resident Roleplay. Obviously, that campaign had such a profound impact on all of our lives,
1: like, in ways. No joke, it has changed the course of our life. It has changed the course of our
0: lives Profoundly in ways that we are not even talking about publicly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like it was such a it was such a formative experience, and that campaign will always have a special place in our heart. And it's really exciting to return to it for one last ride mm-hmm. uh, to give some closure to the storylines that we left open. Yeah, and I'm really excited and nervous for Prometheus to step back into the GM seat for the first time in such a long while, but hopefully. It'll be worthwhile and be a very interesting uh, story and very interesting last hurrah for these characters, which it likely will be. Absolutely.
1: Just I'm looking forward to
0: Or as in it likely will be the last.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am absolutely looking forward to just killing the heck out of my ex-character. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, that's one way to do a send off. But yeah. I just hope I don't die again. <laughs> oh, hopefully.
0: Resident roleplay Prometheus coming this summer and be on the lookout for that. We'll probably be releasing a schedule of when that's going to start airing, but to give a little bit of a teaser, we have started recording material for it by way of prologue solo sessions, which I'm very excited for more on that later, but I just want to drop that here. Special hypercube podcast, exclusive announcement for resident roleplay. Yeah, those are forthcoming and we will be announcing a release timeline schedule soon, but in the interim, we started release re-releasing character playlists on Spotify. Now that because of this podcast, P Cubed has an official Spotify account, so I was like, "How about we just re-release yeah. those those playlists in a more finalized, refined version on Spotify?" Which is what you know a lot of people. It's do. a little. It's a little more official. It's a little more official. It's a lot less clunky than a Way YouTube clunky. musical playlists. Yeah. You don't have to worry about ads as much. You can have personalized like playlist cover art. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and that's probably why, you know, people like Critical Role do that for their character playlists. So I was like, yeah, might as well, since we have that account now, do that. So that's just as an additional promo thing. We are re-releasing all of the character playlists for resident roleplay as Spotify playlists, and we're adding in a couple of bonuses. Yeah. Because there are some characters that we had not unveiled playlists for before that are going to be getting theirs as part of this run. So keep an eye on our social media and on the website and things like that. Uh all that is coming along mm-hmm. nicely. Yes. Anyway, so what's up with you? I have been
1: preparing for flights. Raf. Right. And you've got a big trip coming up. Have we talked about that? You have talked about it once. I think we, we talked about that, but I didn't think we talked about it vaguely. You talked about it very vaguely. We didn't say almost I believe we didn't say anything about it. We didn't well, here's the <laughs> thing. We
0: are Security conscious people. So oftentimes we are by default yeah. when we're in front of a microphone talking in abstract or talking without in uh, releasing, terms. Yeah. yeah. Releasing identifying information. Right. So, Yeah. I think we're, we're at the point now, though, where we could talk a little bit more openly about that. Yeah. But it's interesting how, I guess that is a thing, because we are both so security conscious that we tend to default to that, even if not intentionally. Right. Just when, when, As soon as we're in front of recording
1: apparatuses, we just <laughs> like, have... Don't say anything incriminating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's one
1: way of putting it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, we just have a consciousness about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like, yeah, how much... Well, that's probably a whole other episode topic that we could do the whole episode on mm-hmm. is oh, security and- consciousness in this day and age especially with your cybersecurity.
1: right i'm not sure if you remember this but last episode in your horoscope one of the last the last line in that horoscope was security is one of your life goals <laughs> <laughs> again though one of the most relatable it's because it's like for well, all humans what is the opposite know? of that right it's just like i crave insecurity <laughs> it's like no nobody thinks that well, some, some people crave
0: they, danger that is what true? do you think about that they wouldn't be able to relate to that. Well, that would probably dock it the 0.5 yeah. for them. That, that brings <laughs> it down so to just
1: that brings it down to an even four. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Anyway, anyways, so, so what do you got? I've got a big trip planned. I'm be flying overseas. Well, oh, first of all, uh, I'm going to be I'm taking basically one and a half trips. Right. So I've got two plane journeys that I'll be going on. The first one I'll be going down to LA, and I'll be staying there for a few days, and that's so far completely fine. No problems there. You're gonna be I'm a just creator. Gonna, I know. going to, go to LA, I'm gonna be starving. I'm gonna be a barista. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna shoot a vlog. I'm gonna shoot you're some gonna, vlog gonna, material. You're record a podcast. I'll be recording podcasts in LA, the home city of podcasts. I don't know yeah. if that's true, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I told you that joke about yeah. What do you call a group of group of dudes in LA? A podcast. A podcast. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going to, po- uh, <laughs> going to podcast, <laughs> going to podcast central. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to central podcast. I'll be in L.A. for a little bit, and then I'm going to be heading overseas. However, that trip is really messing with me, man. There, I have had some issues. I have had some issues getting this plane ticket going. So first of all, really quick, are we
0: allowed to the, uh, talk about where you're going? The second I'm trip?
1: not sure yet. We're gonna, I think by the time I'm there, we'll talk about where I'm at. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think we can. I think, we're, I think it's Because right. this is going to air. Yeah. Well, Before you go on this that trip, will, yeah. but when
0: you're already on the This
1: journey. will air when I leave. This will air the day that I leave for LA. Yeah. So I think it's okay. I'm going to Australia. I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to trash any particular airline in, uh, in, in particular. So I'll, I'll just make up an airline. Fiji Airlines. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm, it's, it's Fiji Airlines. Is <laughs> that the real airline. That's the, they're really making me mad. I don't know what it is. But first of all, their website. Oh, boy. Now we've got we've descended to the RT podcast point
0: where we just complain about flights. Yep. And we're there. Customer service
1: issues. Yes. It's oh, my gosh. Public complaints. So of customer service issues. Their website, for some reason, does not like my laptop. What do you mean? It doesn't like your laptop. I have gone to the website and it's like, OK, I would like to do something like book a flight. And the website will go. Sure. It's Here you like go. a pretty straightforward thing to do. Here you go here's uh, here's all your flight information, all this stuff. Well, would you like to check out? Yes, please, click. And then five minutes later, the website crashes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll just load, and it's like, am I going into checkout? Did I did I even pay for this flight? I, I genuinely don't know. Did I just spend $1,000 and not get any confirmation? And, I, and then I'm like sitting in like c- complete anxiety for like five minutes, and then I was like, okay. I check my bank, nothing on the bank. I check uh, the website, it's like, okay. I don't seem to have anything on the website that would say that I have confirmed this flight, okay. Take a deep breath, and let's just do it all over again. And then the same thing will happen on a different page. Wow. So I was like, okay, now I'm on the part where I'm just I'm picking my seats on the flight. And then I'm just loading, loading, and then crash. Oh, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. Uh, eventually, what we had to do was I just had somebody else make the booking for me. And it was just pew. <laughs> all the straight through it's like i just gave them all my information like screw it here's my here's my credit card information here's my social security number here's my passport number i don't even care anymore make this for me and and then it's just like boom instantly done just like that i was like somebody you trust of course well, of course somebody i trust but it's like was it was it really that easy was it really was it just like it was just not me doing it was it just because i'm the one who was making this flight that it now works all of a sudden i, I don't know Yeah, that almost seems like the last thing you want. And that's what kind of frustrates
0: me with a lot of different industries. A lot of industries, especially that have money, is you would think they would take all that money and making sure their infrastructure is tip top and immune to this sort of stuff. Because the last thing you want when you're making a big trip is anxiety yeah. in the checkout process? Yeah. Like, that's not the part where anxiety is supposed to come in. So, you want that part to be seamless so that people can be worried about the things that matter, not actually acquiring
1: the ticket or loading the web page. Yeah. You know? yeah. Getting onto the website should be the easiest step. <laughs> it should be, right? Yeah. In theory. Like, you're literally.
0: Defying gravity and going <laughs> to different, like,
1: land mass, like, yeah. <laughs> being on the webpage should be the easiest step. Yeah, I am flying over one of the largest bodies of water on the planet. I feel like that should be the thing I should be anxiety, I should have anxiety about. Yeah,
0: yeah, I feel ya. That's yeah. one of the things, uh, that's one of the things I've, I think I've complained about rather recently is, like, especially in, I don't know if it's just here. Maybe it's just because we're in a small town. But in my experience, like medical practices, you know, like uh, with some, not all, but like a lot of like dentists or small clinic physician places like will have just really janky infrastructure. Oh, it's old. And yeah, just really old methods for collecting your money. That's just like, it's weird like i like you're telling me i have to write a a check you know for (laughs) in this day and age in this day and age like i i can't believe some of the antiquity that you have to put up with at like straight up medical establishments you would think that would be very modern and up to date with their collecting of your money you know what i mean
1: with just how much that whole process is worth it may not surprise you to hear me say this, Raf, but (laughs) it may surprise you to know that that's actually extremely common. Really? Yes. In the medical industry, that is actually a known issue in the medical profession that they utilize and hang on to old antiquated infrastructure, especially uh, literally the computers that is used to log data, as well as the systems that is used to hold data, simply because it is hard to move all that data across and know that somebody's entire medical history will be kept intact mm. between systems. That is, a, that is extremely scary that if you you know switch over your entire system and if a bug happens and all that information is lost, that is a lot of people who will be, might not, might not have access to life-saving medication or if they are in the middle of a treatment, may not be able to f- complete that treatment. That's the kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not the best thing that we have right now, but changing this, is an, is extremely extremely risky so change has to if it is to happen has to happen very gradually very gradually and that's the thing is it
0: can't keep up it can't keep up with yeah because technology the, yeah. develops so fast but it's it's so
1: old yeah like it, i can't believe that i'm writing a check to pay for a service yeah in 2022 and that's why it's like you walk into like a like a surgeon's place and it's like you have the the most top of the line robot that's going to be doing some like non invasive gallbladder surgery or whatever however and then you get mail mail for your pain <laughs> yeah and then they're just like like okay uh we'll we'll send you we'll send we'll, you a bill we'll send you a bill it may arrive in a week or more <laughs> yeah and when you when yeah when you get it
0: just you literally got to put in your information or a check and mail it
1: back to and us and mail it back yeah and it's just like completely. Ludicrous. Yeah. The, it's the madness. The systems that, that's used for that kind of stuff is, it, it's known that it's, a, it's an issue. There have been.
0: Added to the list of known issues. Added to the list of
1: lo- known issues. We talked about that last time. There is a push to update the infrastructure for medical stuff.
0: Well, that's good. I'm glad that it's at least a known issue and that there is a push.
1: Because it seems, it seems a little ridiculous yeah. to me.
0: <laughs> like, I, it, it's. It's very odd. But yeah, I suppose I hadn't thought about that. That is a little bit more your wheelhouse. You tend to know the medical industry better than I do just because you've been sort of adjacent to it and also actively study it. So yeah, thanks for that little bit of insight. That's something I didn't, I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware of the reasoning behind it. I feel like I've learned something
1: today. Yeah, There's a lot of reasonings behind it as well, but that's kind of like one of the more easy to understand that like anybody can just understand. It's like, oh yeah, all of my information, especially if you have chronic diseases or suffer from chronic illnesses. That's the kind of thing that immediately just grabs on. It's like, yes, that would be a problem if suddenly nobody knew that I had these issues. But there's a lot of things that go into it as well. However, I would like to continue ranting about Fiji Airlines if I... If I oh boy, i have more done to yet. say. <laughs> you're, not, you're not done with them? That we were, seems like a bad problem. We were talking about t- the terrible infrastructure and the way just we, we interact with these giant industries. I would like to continue ranting about how terrible their infrastructure is. Oh boy. Because... Does it get worse? It does get worse. I did buy that ticket. I did. I have the ticket, right? I did get a confirmation email saying you have this ticket. Okay. Here's the, here's the confirmation number. Here are the flights that you will be going on. This happened. I want to say a couple days ago, I checked the website. Let me manage my, my because I think I, I needed to like input seats or something like that. It's so like, okay, let me just double check to make sure this flight is exactly how I need it to be. Let me double check. I have the right luggage requirements and all this other stuff. I click on it and you know what it told me? Huh? It told me. No such booking existed. <gasps> All of that Whoa. work. And it's like, I have the email with my flight information. I have the itinerary. I'm looking at it right now. How are you telling me? There is no such booking. So And you got charged? I, I got charged. So I email customer service. And I was like, here, here's everything that's happening. Here are screenshots of, the, of my itinerary that you have sent me. And here's what your website is telling me. Here is my ticket. And here is you telling me I don't have one. Send it off. You know what they replied with? They replied with something along the lines of, like, okay, hello. It appears that the problem is you put in the wrong booking number. And I was like, I sent you two screenshots that have the same booking number of the one that I have and the one I'm looking for. You can see it's the same (laughs) booking number. (laughs) Oh no, oh no. So then I was like, gotta call them. So we called them up and it turns out there was evidence in their system that I had tried to make that purchase, and a system error negated it. What? S- something happened in like the so it negated on their, the purchase, but they still charged you. No, 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 on their end. So everything went everything went in. It was all fine. However, a system error didn't like log that it happened. I guess so. Like it, it like. Internally, it, it, it's all there. Like she, the customer service representative was like, is this your flight? Name all this stuff. It's like, yes, that's it. That's, that's the, the, those are the planes that I'm going to be on. Those are the times that I am leaving. That is the correct booking number that I have. And just like, yep, it was just a system error. You just can't see it. Wow. And so eventually we get everything kind of worked out. And then she, I guess she just manually re-put in all the information onto the website so that I can access it via like their, their manage, flight tab, go in, double check. Everything's fine. And okay. Yes, everything's good. Finally, that was one week before departure. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been terrible if I checked in any later, but man, I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand how that happens. in uh, uh, Such a lucrative industry as that. It should not happen. That shouldn't. It should not. Like everything went through. Like I got charged. I had the confirmation email and it was just like, nope, system error. We just don't have it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That seems like surely they could give you some sort of compensation for that level of anxiety and inconvenience because that that sh- that that should not happen.
1: Maybe I should sue them. No, <laughs> <laughs> man. I'm, like the the representative though was very helpful. Um, she was great. Mm-hmm. She helped get everything. Five stars going in. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. They ask you to review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the one person that's like, oh, let, let me get your name so I can write a review. Five stars. Uh, the actual service one. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just been problems with this specific airline. It's been problems from start to finish.
0: That sucks, man.
1: Probably gonna take a different flight if I head back out again. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take a different um, different airline. Different airline. Yeah, that's sketchy. It's real sketch. That's the thing
0: with our particular how how should I say attitudes? The way we live life, we could we could wreck a support ticket. You
1: know what
0: I mean? Like we'll come up with screenshots. Yeah, we'll we'll, like uh, explain thoroughly and clear and concise technical language what the issue is and what we've done and haven't done. Yeah, we'll have numbers. We'll have affidavits. We'll
1: (laughs) We'll, we come in with the receipts. We come in with the receipts. (laughs) Like we're thorough. Yeah, we
0: could. There could be no argument. And then they come in and be like, "Ah, you put the number in wrong."
1: Have you tried turning it off and back on again? What?
0: That's all. That's always frustrating because it's like I know. I know how thorough yeah. we tend to be with these. But things. But
1: he also kind of have to know. Like I'm sure that's just a protocol of just like, ninety percent of the time that'll fix whatever the problem is. Whatever, yeah. like whatever response that they give, at some like you know like ninety percent of the time that's the right response.
0: Yeah, but it's like super frustrating. I remember I had one that still hasn't been resolved. I just sort oh, of no. gave up on it. Oh no. Um, and I won't say what company it was with, but yeah, it was basically literally a situation where I explained in great detail what the issue was and asked that they could resolve it. And like, you ever get that thing where you get bounced around between multiple representatives because it's on like a text chat or whatever. And it's just a roulette of customer service people who are just coming in and and trying to identify your problem immediately and then offer some sort of solution. And not a single one of these people on this chat roulette of service customer service people could even comprehend what I was saying no matter how clearly I typed it out. Like... It's just like you're literally, you're literally not reading what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, that's like the whole issue here is that you are not reading what I wrote down. Yeah, it's uh, infuriating.
1: That's a that's a reading comprehension issue, right there. That's a reading comprehension (laughs) issue. I'm sure a lot of it too is like all these all these people are like third party call center type people as well. You're telling me they're they're from India? I'm. I can guarantee you that at least half of them were from India. (laughs) I I imagine a lot of that is just like they don't actually know what the internal structure of like whatever system it is looks like. Yeah, they're, they're given just there a to list offer of free advice. Yeah, they're they're given a list of fixes. It's like if this happens, say this. If this happens, say this. And mm-hmm. then you you come in with this very detailed, specific problem, and they look at their sheet and go, "Uh, that's not on here. <laughs> Maybe I'll send it to the, to the guy next door. Maybe he has it on his sheet." And then that guy goes like. I have the exact same sheet as that guy next door, but it's not on here still. (laughs) And then it's just bouncing back and forth with just people who don't actually know what the problem is, but have a very hands-off kind of like like big picture idea of the problems that generally might pop up. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably
0: why companies like Amazon have replaced those jobs with robots nowadays. And people who can actually help are the actual chat people yeah. that you can get a hold of. You need to get, like, like, they get in de- contact
1: with an actual IT guy.
0: Yeah, because I, I was a little frustrated at first when they changed it to robots on their initial contact support thing because it just feels like another dark pattern yeah. um, from Amazon, which uh, They're full has a great essay about detailing what exactly that means. But Indeed. Yeah, that's what it felt like. But at the same time, when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, a robot could and should do that job. Yeah. If that's all you're gonna get out of it is predetermined responses and they can't actually change anything, then yeah, but at least they do have that layer where you can still access a person eventually if yeah. you need to. Um it's just makes the
1: filtering. Yeah, step.
0: exactly, because it probably will save a, a lot of time yeah, and money, which is like, I said, know, like as we all know, Amazon is in the business of saving time and money. Absolutely. <laughs> are. That's
1: the one thing that they do is they make and save money,
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> which are really one and the
1: same when you yeah, think about it. You know what I was saying earlier? It's like 90 percent of the time. I don't know what the exact number is. Well, mostly just boil down to did you turn it off and back on? Exactly. Again? And you don't need a person to tell that over and over and over again. That being said, Amazon is still a
0: vehemently anti-consumer uh company and i want to make that clear that i'm, yes. I'm not <laughs> yes. endorsing their tactics in it uh in any broader sense um because yeah they they have a lot of dark patterns about their infrastructure and their website they are very
1: anti-consumeristic
0: mm-hmm. uh it's an issue it's a known issue yeah who <laughs> had that to the list of
1: known issues if, if you want to kind of intuitively understand what a dark pattern is uh, if you have an amazon account right now try to delete it Yes, that is one of the textbook examples. Don't actually delete it. Just see if you can. See if it's possible to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can guarantee you, it's going to take at least an hour before you give up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of the the point. Then, There
0: are a lot of websites and a lot of big sites, a lot of big companies that employ these kinds of tactics, dark patterns on their web design. And it's inherently predatory and very problematic. So, that being said, I think that's kind of the main stuff we wanted to talk about for this episode. I yeah. think we hit some big points. Shall I educate you a little bit, Raf, I would like to be educated. All right, let's talk about. Uh, well, let's go into a segment. Let's go into a segment. Let's go into a segment. So, did you know? So, Lauren, did Raph. you know about the pillars of creation? I'm sure you do. I, I am familiar with the concept. So, for those who don't know, the Pillars of Creation it, are a famous photograph taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. We're going to space. Ah, yes. Um, so, famous photograph taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. It was originally taken in 1995, but I think what uh, a lot of people know is apparently there's a higher resolution photo also taken by the Hubble Space Telescope in 2014. Mm. That's an homage to the original, just replicating the same composition. Right. But- at a much higher resolution with newer technology, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know how that works. Do they like upgrade these space telescopes? I suppose that's more your that, that is more the science, sort of scientific that, domain. Are these like things that are actively worked on throughout time? Um,
1: I'm not sure about the Hubble specifically, but yeah, usually these things, um, are uh, you know, the basic maintenance uh, is, is done on these things. I don't know if like parts are like. St- swapped out and upgraded um but usually basic maintenance is kept on these things um i'm not sure about the hubble t- telescope because i'm not i don't know where the hubble telescope is like off the top of my head whether it's like in our orbit or if it's way off on some like some other like lagrange point which is like a whole thing uh, <laughs> some are like uh outside of you know easy access from earth right um however what those things what wh- where the upgrades usually happen is on the software side on how to process the data and and how to how to compress and read data coming in from Hubble and changing how it takes photos as well. Oh, okay. Changing the software of how the it processing. will... Processing. Yeah, changing the, changing the process of how it takes photos and how it sends it to us. That, that's where the, a lot of the improvements in the quality of the images uh, would mm. come from, as well as maybe just taking longer, just longer photographs. Right, exposure time, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, longer. Settings essentially. It's just it's just changing settings with the same camera. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, that's true. Because I'd imagine it'd be very difficult once launched to change out the sensor. Yeah. Uh so to describe it briefly, it's basically it's this famous photograph of interstellar gases, apparently, are what they are yeah. in the Eagle Nebula. Um, interstellar gas and dust and various other per- right. particles that form basically these massive, colorful pillars uh that are n- doubtless huge. Astronomical in scale, yeah, literally astronomical. Just cosmic size proportions
1: we're talking about here. Yeah, and the interesting thing about these things, uh, uh, particularly, is like if you were to be inside of one of those, it wouldn't look like anything. Exactly, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, because it's so huge. The the, the amount of space between each of these particles is, well, it's literally astronomical. (laughs) Yeah, literally astronomical. What you're seeing is a is like the conglomeration of light bouncing off of atoms and molecules and little specks of dust that when you know, you back up far enough creates a structure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Honestly, it's probably one of my favorite pieces of space photography ever. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful image, beautiful composition, very colorful and just very, uh, it's just one of those things that I look at and just am in awe of God's creation, man. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it's about. So that's what I want to get to. So love that photo. I'll uh, probably put in the show notes images for the original version and the, and the 20, re, yeah and the, the, the retaken one in 2014. Yeah, because um, they're both great. Uh, honestly, I think the 2014 one, obviously is superior yeah. on a number of Just levels. On a technical. Level. Just on a technical level, it's the same image essentially though. So very famous uh, classic photograph. and what I didn't know, so a while back, I had the opportunity to uh, preach another sermon at my church, which they asked me to do on occasion whenever mm-hmm. the pastors need a fill-in. Um, so, uh, when I took that opportunity, though, I actually, I came across this piece of information while I was researching for that sermon, which I did not know where the name Pillars of Creation came from. And do you know where that name came from? Not necessarily. It surprised me.
1: I know. Okay. So, Pillars of Creation, as a concept, I am familiar with, uh, there are different beliefs, different belief systems that have their own pillars of creation, sometimes literal. Yeah. Um, like a
0: turtles all the way down kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, as in, um, oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of uh, the pillars of heaven is what mm, I'm thinking of. Yeah,
0: that might be, yeah, a yeah, more I think that's, broad concept. I
1: think the pillars of heaven is, I Something upholding Taoist? the heavenly realms. Yeah, I think that the, the, the there's, there's a Tao, the, the Taoist belief of the pillars of heaven and as, you know, actual pillars holding up the heavens Mm -hmm. but yeah pillars of creation i am vaguely familiar but i don't know actually know where it comes from i don't know who thought of it first yeah or what what it even is what it represents the pillars of creation that phrase that term
0: is specifically lifted from a sermon by charles spurgeon does that name ring any bills to you no. I don't know if you would know that name. No. Charles Spurgeon was a very influential English preacher. Arguably, not arguably, probably very much was the most influential preacher of the 19th century. Oh. Uh, he was in Victorian England sort of era. Oh wow. And um yeah, yeah, very very famous and influential uh, English preacher. Just a legend in his own in his own field. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there was, and he has many famous sermons, a lot of which you can find published nowadays in writing. Yeah, apparently that phrase was lifted specifically from a Charles Spurgeon sermon in a sermon titled The Condescension of Christ. And let me read to you specifically the quotation of when this uh, comes into into play, because I thought it was actually quite, quite moving. And Spurgeon says, speaking specifically about the, the birth of Christ, and now wonder ye angels. The infinite has become an infant. He upon whose shoulders the universe doth hang hangs at his mother's breast. He who created all things and bears up the pillars of creation hath now become so weak that he must be carried by a woman. And, oh man, I thought that was pretty interesting to see this great scientific advancement of a space telescope existing. To begin with being used to photograph just a beautiful image of something that's out there in creation and having only religious language
1: available to possibly name this, you know, this, this image. Right. Well, that's because that's like, that's part of, you know, we talk a lot about the difference between like the purposes of scientific and religious operation. (laughs) Like they operate for different purposes. Science can only observe but to yeah, describe yeah, it's inherent to the scientific method. Yeah. But to describe what you observe requires poetry. Mm hmm. Absolutely.
0: And yeah. And that's, uh, again, part of this frustrating thing about culture wars is they're often put into opposition needlessly. Yeah. And I think we both agree that it's very needless. It's Even really if we needless. don't agree about worldviews, we can agree that framing science and faith as opposing forces is completely needless. First off, Science isn't a
1: worldview. Yeah. <laughs> it, if you believe in science, you are not a scientist, you are a religious zealot. Well, that's the, there's a name for that. That's called scientism. Yeah. Right? So scientism
0: is a worldview, right? Which is uh, arguably very deficient worldview, but it is a worldview, right? That would be a right. worldview. Science itself is not a worldview though, right. which is why people of all different beliefs can come together in the scientific field, right? A majority... Uh, despite the fact that we have the New Atheist mu- Movement, right? What, what's called the New Atheist Movement is uh, otherwise known as Scientific Atheists, right? Are, are those like the, the Richard Dawkins and... Yeah, they, yeah, that's that yeah. whole generation that came in and strongly associated what, what you would call essentially the atheist religion yeah. with science, right? And made sure that the two were intertwined. And that, of course, gave... Because Cultural War stuff, that gave rise to a lot of opposition on uh, the Christian end, especially on... um. The religious right and a lot of cultural forces and people that arose to fill as an antithesis to that gap, people like Ken Ham, people like Ken Ham, right? Right. It would yeah, okay. it would, it would arise in opposition to that, and it just it just fuels so much needless conflict when you realize that these aren't things that are inherently, you know, uh, opposed. Right. Right. Because I mean, granted, it's a very profitable conflict. Of course. Um, It has made people like Ken Ham and Richard Dawkins very notorious and very wealthy, let's be frank. Yep. And so, but that's the problem with the culture wars in general, is that the culture wars are
1: profitable. Well, any any decisiveness can be leveraged for monetary gain if you are raised in a capitalist society. (laughs) That's fair. But anyway,
0: but I thought the pillars of creation, I'm surprised I didn't know that just by how much fondness I have. For that particular uh, photo, um, I didn't know its origins in the root of its name there, and I thought that's kind of a beautiful yeah. union between the two. But yeah, anyway, that's just sort of something that's, I wanted to, I wanted really to teach cool. you about. I didn't know if you knew about
1: that. No, I didn't know that at all. Um, pillars of creation was something that I had always thought was—I had assumed rather that it was uh, something that was like universally understood. I, g- I guess within like religious communities of just like the pillars of creation either are pillars metaphorically like you know our you know four pillars are blank 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 blank, and blank or whatever mm-hmm. and i didn't know that that was just some dude uh riffing <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was charles spurgeon man charles spurgeon gave name to that photograph
1: also again just talking like that was his speech that you read yeah yeah that was an excerpt. that is <laughs> beautiful poetry beautiful poetry yeah the infinite has become the infant that is amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it's good stuff he had a way with words and I love that imagery. Yeah. The, the
0: infinite has become inf- infant. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's, well, oh, that's the, the, the paradox of Jesus, you know, is that this is God incarnate. And like, that's the only language, not the only language, obviously, but like, that is a strong form of language to turn to when you have to describe something so cosmic as what you're seeing. In the pillars of creation, right? Like something so unfathomably huge, but yet beautiful and elegant. Yeah. Anyway, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's it's literally awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Literally awesome. Yeah. We use that word very irreverently nowadays, but. To cause a sense of awe. Yeah. Cause a sense of awe. There's something to that. So anyway, that's all I got for my, I think this was my first, did you know, say, I think it might've been. Yeah. You've, you've handled all the others, but there you go. There's something that I discovered in sermon prep one time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool.
0: All righty. So I do have others on the docket, though. So you will be hearing... You'll be educated by me again at some point. <laughs> of course. <And laughs> I, th- I feel like you teach me a lot more than I teach you uh, when it comes to the... the, the conversation pieces that this segment arose from but uh, i I do have some things every once in a while i feel like i teach you more in our free form though absolutely Absolutely.
1: well that's a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of the things that i you have a lot of facts i am extremely good at rather i should say i am extremely full of trivia yeah and that's like things that are like small consumable just bite-sized bits of bam
0: information information and, and it's just, just like you know
1: i could just i could just present it and let it go and, it, and that's its whole thing i've got a lot of those like i know a lot of the things you tend to educate me on are more on like lengthy require a lot more in depth yeah, yeah 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 i suppose so but still i got some you got some so i'm excited I, I can't wait to hear i can't wait to hear more i mean learning it's a thing and learning it, is fun it's fun well, we are, we are compulsive learners,
0: so that's why it's easy to keep it's this really podcast hard.
1: indefinitely. It's really hard to go about my day and just not learn
0: something. It actually is. It requires some serious restraint if I were to try and do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the thing. is, I think we have a passion not just for learning, but also for teaching. Yeah. Like, it feels like knowledge is incomplete until we pass it on to someone else.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, that's part of the joy of it. One of the markers of true understanding is the ability to teach what you know. If you can't teach it, you don't really understand
0: it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely believe that. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I think that's all the time we have for this episode. Yeah. So, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, This show is edited by Lauren Pacheco, mixed by Rafael Pacheco, with theme music by Mono Memory. Until next time, we'll see you all later. God bless. Adios, amigos.